Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Were you ever really glad to be back at work? You know what I mean? A day came that you said, I'm running into work. I'm delighted to be there. Well, I'll tell you one thing. After yesterday, if you weren't glad to be back at work, I don't know what, what you're like at all. What a day. I think it was the worst Sunday in my living memory anyway I can ever remember. Built on Saturday as well. I know I'm laughing a bit about it. I shouldn't be. Isn't it shocking? The weather is just brutal. And it's on here again in the studio as it is every day when I come on air and there's a lot of old cloud hanging around for the rest of the week. Anyway, enjoy the bit of sunshine that's come our way today. The weather will be the weather, but we're here with you each day, Monday to Friday, between 1.30 and half past three. Let's begin the week with a very interesting story. I spoke to my next guest last year, uh, 2022, when, when this story happened first and he became involved. Parik Grenin is the man behind Erin International who specialise in worldwide tracing of deceased persons, beneficiaries and their next of kin. And the story we're talking about, do you remember the couple who were found in the bungalow in Tipperary in June 2022? Uh, It had been assumed they'd moved away to France to live, but actually they lay in that bungalow for 18 months. They were dead about 18 months, it's reckoned. Well, we're going to take the story up from there because Parik Grennan is back with us on Late Lunch today. Parik, good to see you again. Thanks, Jerry. Um... How did you and Erin become, your company, become involved in this? Would you explain that first? Sure. Well, what happened is, if you remember, this story hit national headlines. Um, I picked it up in the newspaper, excuse me, <clears throat> like a lot of people at the time. And the Gardaí had put an appeal out for the next of kin to come forward. Now, being in the business we're in, I realised that unless these people knew they were the next of kin nobody was going to come forward. So so we took a proactive approach and decided just off our own bat to see could we find the next of kin of these people. That's what we do for the legal profession on a daily basis. So we went about our work and um, eventually found next of kin of both Mr and Mrs Smith. They were a very private couple. You know you know the story uh, intimately now. They were very private people. They, I was just looking at their history. He was a seafarer, uh, married this woman, and she went off with him on his travels around the world. I was just looking. They lived in Hong Kong for nearly three decades. They moved to Western Australia, to York in the UK, Cashel in Ireland in 2006, and then finally Clonine in Tipperary in 2009. And yet for all their travels and international aspects of them, they were very private weren't they? Yeah, I mean, apparently come from the news reports that I've read, they kept their blinds down, they Mm. didn't mix too much with people. Um, They were quite elderly, they had no family, so maybe they just really, I suppose, had each other Mm. um, throughout. 
Um, they left, Mrs. Smith left her son with her own mother when he was five. So this is the thing, just stop yeah, there, because yeah. it was said that they had they had no children as a couple. They had no children as a couple. But Mrs. Smith had a child. Hilary Smith had a child before she met this guy, Nicholas, and got married. She had a child um, and she left him. When she got married, she went off with her husband, Nicholas, around mm. the world. Who knows what her intentions were. Maybe they were to come back within 12 months or whatever the case may be. But apparently, and I've met with the son myself personally, um, he didn't hear anything from his from his mother. He received items in the post, maybe, I think he was age 7 and aged 15, randomly, every now and then, but no contact with his mother whatsoever. So she went off around the world with her husband, and that was the last he saw of her. Isn't that horrendous to even contemplate that? That you leave your little boy, what was he, five or four six? Or five, four, four or five. Four or five. Yeah. With his granny, her mother. Yeah. And you're gone. And never to see him again. It's very sad. And if you met the man like I met him, I brought his, as I was telling you, I brought his, his mum's ashes over to, to him a couple of months ago. And, like, he's he's just one of these really soft-spoken gentle, quiet individuals. And you can see, even by speaking with them, the toll that something like this has taken on them. Mm. You know, you couldn't begin to imagine when you come from, you know, a normal family per se, what this is like. You know, never known as father. His father wasn't named on his birth certificate. So he was born to a single mum and she practically, you know, abandoned him. And imagine in the era he was born to a single mum, what that was like as well. So he's never known his father. He really never knew his mum as well, because he has very little memory, hasn't he, of her? Yeah. Nothing really. The odd occasional visit, that was it. That yeah, was it. Very young. Nothing. Um, he's not in great health, is he, himself now? No, he's lots of difficulties. And he's got a thick Yorkshire accent, so he's re and he speaks very quickly, so he's very difficult to understand. But um, no, he's not in good health. He does have health issues himself. Uh, we we both read the article in the the Independent over the weekend, and um, yeah, I, I mean it's something that I suppose he's trying to come to terms with mm. because he never knew where his mother was. And I suppose always kind of wondered where she was. And then it was us that broke the news to him eventually that what happened. What was that like when you just make contact? Now, you do this all the time. Yeah. When you make contact with somebody for the first time and say, we think you are the son of this woman. Yeah. Well, you see, what happened was when his when his granny died, or when, mm. his, when his grandmother died, he took her name. So he changed he, his name. He had changed his name legally by deed poll. So that made him difficult to find. So, of course, when we find people, we can't ask leading questions. We have to let them tell us who I see. they are. I see. So you must tread very carefully. Mm. And we take it very gently because it is a very sensitive issue and a mm. sensitive matter. And obviously, these were extenuating circumstances. So um, bit by bit, we tease the information out. And if it marries up what we have, we have to break the news then. Mm. So it is a sensitive area. It really is. Um, he doesn't seem to hold a grudge or malice or anger for this woman who was his mother and the man she married? None whatsoever. And actually, if you look at the article, he mentions her husband as well. So he says, I hold no malice towards her or... Um, um, the husband. The husband, yeah. Mm. So that just goes to show the type of guy he is. You know, deep down that he's he he doesn't view this as somebody who took his mother away. He's more happy. And this is genuine because I've met him. 
he's just happy that she found the love of her life and off she went and that they spent their entire lives together and they died together practically. Mm. Now, there's another aspect of this story. He is the son of the woman who was found in the house with her husband. But there's another person in this equation that you've traced as well. Yeah. So what happens here is, under normal circumstances, now from a legal perspective, under normal circumstances, you've got a married couple, if they have children and there's no will made, they're the next of kin. But because there's no children that issued from this union, you must look at who each individual's next of kin are. Okay. So it turned out Mr. Smith had a brother, Andrew, he's named in the article, he's still living. He's in the UK. And then obviously Mrs. Smith had a son from a previous relationship. So they're the nearest blood relative of each. So what will happen is if it's a case that there's no wills in this estate, the estate will ultimately be, well, just to backtrack a little, what would normally happen is whoever dies first, their share of their estate will go to the spouse. Yes. But because of the circumstances here, and I was at the inquest myself in, in Cashel, the coroner couldn't determine who died first. Okay? So, under those circumstances, what I'm told by the lawyers involved is that an application will be made to the High Court, the estate will be split 50-50, Mr. Smith's brother will benefit from his side, and then the son will benefit from Mrs. Smith's. The, The brother hasn't come forward at all. He hasn't engaged in a public manner like the son has. No, I've met him and I met him at the inquest and I've spoken to him on the phone a couple of times. He's just a very private individual. He wasn't close to his brother. Uh, There was seven years, I think, in the age difference. And, you know, remember, he was the younger, so he remembers his older brother coming home from sea, um, flamboyant and always had money. and But they weren't close. And he is quite a private individual himself. He didn't want to speak to the media in relation to this whatsoever. He came to Ireland to take care of his brother's affairs. But as regards speaking to the press, he just wasn't interested. No, I know you've dealt with this very closely. A couple of things that uh, have come to me, even since we spoke first, I, I may have mentioned it to you. It's very hard to understand, as you said a moment ago, how, you know, a child is left and you go away and leave them forever. But when you come back to the couple who are found in the house in Tipperary, in Ireland, it's incredible to think that 18 months, which they're only, they're reckoning this, they can't pinpoint it exactly, 18 months previously, one or other or both of those died in that house and lay in that house for 18 months. And only when the Gardaí called a check call or something, 18 months later, the bodies were found. It's hard to get your head around that. It It is. This day and age, and if you remember at the time, Jerry, during COVID, we were all told to keep an eye on Yes. Uh, particularly elderly neighbours because they were obviously the most vulnerable but it's been circulated it's been said along a lo- throughout this whole story that apparently the couple had written to a neighbour to say they were moving to France they perhaps people thought they'd gone to France but as I said at the beginning they had their blinds pulled so you know if you pull up to somebody's house and the blinds are down it's generally mm. an indication that there's nobody home so maybe people did knock Maybe they knocked a couple of times early on, got no response. They may have been dead at that stage. Who knows? Mm. Um, it looks like they last were out and about in December 2020 because there were milk cartons with dates on it and there were some receipts found. Mm. And we do know that, and this came out in, at the inquest as well from the Gardaí, 
that they had made uh, numerous um, charitable donations around that time. Hmm. Now, did they know, was it because it was Christmas or is it because they knew they weren't coming out of there? Who who knows what the situation was? But yeah, it it does beggar belief nowadays, doesn't it, that Mm. somebody would lie there for Mm. for that period of time. And it seemed to be well planned because they cancelled all the utilities. If you look at the records as well, you know this. They cancelled electricity, their bin collection, all those type of things. The local pharmacy, they were in touch with the doctor to say, we're moving away. Yeah. And again, is it because they were going away or had they resigned themselves to the fact that, you know, they were ill? Who knows what the circumstances Like, I mean, we just don't know. Mm. They could have had every intention of moving and maybe someone got sick or both got sick simultaneously. We'll never know that. We'll never know that, will we? One of the bizarre things, Jerry, is, and this came out of the inquest as well, that I didn't know. It's in the newspapers now, so this is not news, but just for your listeners, that the inside of the locks were filled with glue. Were you aware of that? No. And that there was a lot of broken crockery in the house. The One of the televisions was pulled down and smashed. You know, so it looked like somebody may have locked themselves in there with the intention of not coming out. So who knows what happened? My oh my, to put the interlocks that they, you wouldn't gain access either. I, I, incredible. Um The will thing. Is there a will or isn't there a will? We don't know yet for sure. We don't believe there's a will in Ireland, but we would have to check in places like... Hong Kong. Um, or oh, where they lived. Or oh, where they lived, yeah. yeah. I mean, if they lived there, the thing about a will is a will remains valid until revoked. So if you wrote a will 30 years ago in Australia um, and there's no subsequent will made, that's what we would work off. So checks are being carried out for wills at the moment. My God, you have to really dig, don't you? And, and, and dig all over the world in a case like this. Well, a case like this particularly because they were international travellers for sure. But that's the way it is nowadays in a lot of cases for, for, you know, debts nowadays. People have properties in overseas, different jurisdictions. People move around. Air travel is so accessible. So nowadays, yeah, we would check for wills and, and, and assets um, in multiple jurisdictions. Come back to the point you made that the son changed his name to his granny's surname when after she passed away. So he left behind the mother's name. Did that present much of an obstacle, you know, to get to him? Well, the thing about finding Mr. Smith um, or Michael Knowles, as he's known now, yes. was we had the name of the couple, mm. but Smith being Smith, particularly in the UK... There was a lot of trial and error. What we need to do is we, we, we look at births, deaths and marriage certificates. Okay, sometimes you're looking at divorce certificates. Sometimes you're looking at adoption certificates. So we felt we had everything right in terms of the paperwork, but we, we found the birth, uh, the birth certificate for the son, but we couldn't find him. Mm. So we figured, you know, perhaps under the circumstances, he's changed his name. And that's there's a deed poll register, so we found him that way. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff, isn't it? it? It's a fascinating job you do. I have to say I love it. And I'm, I'm very lucky. We, we've a fantastic team. We've, we've a staff of 10 now at the moment um, all over the country and two in the UK and a super team, just a super team of dedicated guys who love this type of work. And when you're trying to find somebody under these circumstances, you really have to treat it like you're a dog with a bone. Do you know what I mean? Because 
you can leave no stone unturned, particularly when we're presenting reports to lawyers who are distributing estates based on the information we give them. We have to get it right. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And we get calls all the time from people. We'd love to hire more people, but, um, you know, people want to get into this business because if you like genealogy, yeah, it's fascinating. And you have a bit of the detective in your, in your DNA oh, yeah. as well. That's yeah. an essential part of it. All over the world, anywhere you go, wherever necessary to get the information. It must be it, two aspects of this. If you reach a dead end, it must be a, an annoyance. Does it annoy you when you reach a dead end? I'm sure you have cases where you just can't unlock the final question. There are the odd case like that. Right, OK. There so, are, but, yeah. but they'd be the odd one, there, there, they? there would be. And what happens there, Jerry, is from a professional perspective, when we're dealing with, with, with solicitors... If we can't find somebody, but we've gone to the ends of the earth to find them, there are different insurance products that we offer or can can help solicitors avail of that basically allow matters to proceed, even if a particular individual can't be found. So we have a solution basically there for the legal profession if that happens. And then, of course, when a door opens that you don't expect or you make a breakthrough, that must be such a fillip for everybody, such a lift, may I say, as well. It, yeah. it, it is indeed. I mean, sometimes you're working on these cases. At the outset, you can never tell what level of research is required. And you might be told somebody had no children. Then you find that they had a child out of wedlock. That person married and had 10 children. All of a sudden, you're looking at a huge family tree. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, so yeah, it's great. Two things. Has, you know, the evolving of the internet and social media over the last, let's say, 20 years, that surely has been a huge help to you? It's a big help. Um, what I would say is that the vast majority in the, in the normal course of our work we're looking for beneficiaries who are generally elderly. So a lot of them aren't on social media. So, But definitely it does help. Um, and there's a lot of records, more and more records coming online now in terms of, you know, births, deaths, marriages, etc. Through the likes of Ancestry, Find My Past, etc. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say those. That was the next part. Those are available now in a resource that wasn't there uh, yesteryear either. Um for people listening to us today, and this is one outstanding case that's grabbing the headlines everywhere, but you are available in Erin International to talk to anybody if they have, you know, an unknown or they want to trace something or they have a, an issue. Yeah, do you know what? I, I, I put this out there. We do do pro bono cases for mm. people in extreme circumstances. The likes of this, you may remember we are involved in a case with a gentleman who's an Irish guy who died in Birmingham City last year. And there was an appeal put out for the next of kin. We found the next of kin. So I went over to the funeral myself with the family just so that he could get a, you know, a decent send off. But for people out there who are trying to trace long lost family or next of kin or somebody that might have went away, we do help out in extreme cases where people are trying to find long lost family members. OK, so that is a, a, another option that yeah. you have there. And based here in the northeast as well. This is your HQ. That's it. We're in Drogheda. We're down on North Quay. Uh, we wanted to, to, being from the area, 
when we set up five years ago, I wanted to, to, to set up in the town here. We also have an office in London, as I said. I'm currently looking at something in the, in the US as well. God, watch this space. You're spreading your wings for sure. Parik, listen, thank you for joining us today to talk about this fascinating case that is still going on, as you say, not concluded by any means yet, but a most incredible case it has been. Good luck to you with all you do at Erin International. Parik Renan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jerry. Welcome back. Thank you. What did you think of that story there? Like, when you think, I'm just thinking of the little fella who was four or five and his mother just yeah. abandoned him. Isn't it shocking? Yeah. No, she Isn't must have it? obviously had her reasons and some women aren't, aren't just maternal type but I just I can't get into my head how she just leave a four year old walk out the door maybe obviously not contact the granny and then the granny have to put up every day for, you know what happened mammy why is my mammy not here I just I can't get my head around it sorry Mm, it's hard never to. contacting her again I just don't get it yeah especially when you come from close families and families who you know like if if, if someone w- wasn't in contact for a short period mm. of time there'd be panic stations mm. you know what I mean but he's a baby you know he's, yeah oh, really. she obviously had good reason to do so and the mum obviously understood the mm. granny and the granny looked after him he said that he said they hadn't got much it was, mm. a, it was a tough old life they hadn't got much but she reared him really well she gave him her love yeah, that's and, all he needed as yeah. a child and he loved her and he changed his name to take her surname Knowles mm. as well afterwards anyway interesting indeed and it just shows you the way people can be traced even with little information I wonder what the significance of I get the glue in the locks that they didn't want anybody coming in but the significance um of the broken telly and the broken crockery. Mm, whatever that was, I don't know. Mm. I honestly don't know. But they were a very united couple, you know, in their own way. And obviously, you know, maybe one went first and the other was left, you know what I mean? Struggling, didn't know what to do. Oh, should we, it's never all conjecture. It. We'll never know at this stage. No, nobody nobody will ever know. Um, the man who was attacked in the centre of Dublin uh, mm. last week, he's life-changing injuries they say I see a young lad of 14 was before the courts yesterday and remanded on bail for the attack there are others as well I know that area of Dublin really well you know I meet my friends Eddie Mm. and Celia regularly in Dublin and that uh, and we go there you know this as well get off at Connolly Station there and we we head round the Talbot Street area generally for a bite eating a meet up and that and I can tell you Louise that area you'd want to have your wits about you if you're in that area walking around I've seen it for myself you and wouldn't why go back <laughs> food is that good <laughs> yeah it is and, and the, we're, we're, I'm not alone you know what I mean I'm never walking al- alone there I wouldn't walk alone in that area there's generally two or three of us together perhaps a little safety in numbers but the threat the menace is there all the time you can just look around you you see it you feel it you understand what's going on and it's not nice and that poor man walked mm-hmm. into that attack and I'm reading a lot the weekend about people, oh, there's really huge recrimination in this and the government and the ministers really getting it in the neck for, uh, you know, not enough guardy boots on the street, not enough resources put behind them, um, you know, all that type of thing. A lot Jerry, of talk. 14-year-old, what's going to happen? Nothing. Mm. Because he's underage. Mm. And they know that. And, and the more kids now getting in, in trouble... Because they don't care. They know they can just walk. Mm. And that is a huge problem. And the other thing is, I think I said this to you, Eddie said to me that since COVID, when the city was sort of abandoned, these people and these gangs took over. Mm-hmm. And they've 
got a foothold and they now have a stranglehold on places. Yeah. And it's just got worse and worse as people and tourists returned. And it really is an issue that's got to be tackled. Number one with resources, boots on the ground, etc. But there's a there's a deeper problem as well that you're talking about there. Yeah, nobody so, has fear anymore yeah, for anybody. A societal problem. Mm-hmm. There is a huge problem there and one that needs to be addressed as well. But think of that poor man who came here, you know, saved yeah. up, came here, looking forward Good to musician. Ireland. Yep. Yeah, and look at him now. He lies in hospital, life altered forever. It's really shocking. And I'm not saying we're alone. This happens to Irish people. It's happened to Irish people who've gone abroad as well. But happening as it is in Dublin and the attack on the actor a few weeks ago as well. God, we've got to have action. we just got to have action. Late lunch, LMFM radio after two. We're going to meet actress Claire Gavin, but taking us up to the top of the hour at two o'clock. It's picture this and never change. It's got to change in Dublin. And there's a thousand things I've wanted to say, but I've never been brave. Now, my next guest has just joined me on the show. She's straight into the seat, in the door and into the seat. And when I tell you she's best known for playing the part of Phoebe on Fair City, I'm delighted to say hello to actress Claire Gavin. Claire, you're very welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome. Well, that role in Fair City, mm. the storylines for Phoebe, my God, they gripped the nation, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. I mean, I came up starting when my dad fell into a coma. So our family was in Tipperary. My dad fell into a coma and it turns out he had this whole double life coming in. So I really came onto the scene with a really, really big storyline. So that was tough for Phoebe. You started on Fair City when you were doing your leaving cert. Yeah, I literally got it a month before I started sixth year. So that was really tough. I mean, I remember sort of debating whether I should do this or not, but I I just chose to do it. And I still got the course that I wanted as well in college. I remember studying in between scenes and everyone would make fun of me. But yeah, I'm really glad I did it. And it was tough, but Mm. yeah. Does the character roll on at the moment on Fair City? So Phoebe right now is currently in Tipperary. She's staying in her house. Um, my family are still in Dublin, yes. but yeah, Phoebe's just working away in Tipperary. She moved back into her house. Okay, yeah. so there's possibilities. That's what we there's say. There's definitely possibilities. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Not, nothing at the moment. I understand that. But that's that's the way the it works in Soapland. In soap and world. out come the characters, the storylines, the roles, etc. By God, Fair City fairly made its mark, didn't it, in Ireland from, from its launch till now it's just an established part of viewing. I know it was amazing and you know what they did during COVID as well mm. I think was was really good and um, it was obviously really tough because I was working during COVID and we had to distance the actors had to distance keep two meters away and I remember one of my storylines was uh, my dad got murdered on the show which I didn't know but I, I know that he died and I was at the funeral and it was just a really really tough scene to do because we were two meters apart and I had to be crying and my mum couldn't like console me and things but I guess that was the COVID world really so it was a real reflection yeah. of life. Life, you know, yeah. and that's the th- the thing about it. Let's step back with you, right back, and and tell me where does this acting come from? When did it start? How did it start? I know li- I see Little Duke mentioned. I know, yeah, I I was in the Little Duke Theatre, so definitely get enrolled in that if you want to do acting. It was a really, really great start for me, but I was always a very dramatic kid. Um, I did a lot of singing as well in my youth, and I remember just performing in the Lawrence Town Centre. I just sang a song and with my singing teacher so I was always like very much into the arts um but screen acting really uh my mother got me involved into because um I just I really wanted to be involved on screen and I remember watching CBBC and seeing kids on the show and being like 
well mum like I'm a kid how do I get up there and and she was great to be fair she signed me up with young artist management and yeah I just got auditions I did a few ads I was actually in a Kellogg's cornflakes ad when I was, I was eight years say, old I was gonna say that yeah, to you. yeah. Oh, it's actually you can look it up on YouTube it's pretty good <laughs> and and then what else was I on I was on an aircom ad as well when I was about 14 mm-hmm. So, and then I got Fair City when I was about 17. So you do a lot of auditions that you don't get. Mm. Um, and I was obviously involved in Little Duke and I think I was involved in the Gaiety School of Acting in Navin as well. Yes. So I did a lot of that sort of thing. And and yeah, and Fair City was my real big, my big break. That was the break you for you, for sure. Yeah. Your mum is Patricia, well-known counsellor in the area and your dad is a GP, Richard, as well. So yeah. they're well-known people, I know that, I know. in this neck of, of the woods. There's, what, you have two brothers, are two older brothers? Yeah, I have two older brothers, Andrew and Niall. Yeah, yeah. and... Uh, what did they what did they think of the little sister and of all the my career? Acting yeah. yeah yeah they're very supportive um my brother's currently doing a phd so they're very successful and andrew is currently studying in oxford right now um he's doing a uh, masters so they're both very successful in themselves so it's nice to not have i guess that competition sense but yeah and i'm currently filming with the bbc as well in belfast so you know, they see me off doing my adventures and they're nothing but supportive, so it's great. Fantastic. And you know for what you're doing at the moment, and I know you can't talk about the specific BBC mm. project, watch this space, but yeah. what's your next role? Where does that come from? Or if Phoebe comes back, how does that work? Have you an agent or do you work on this yourself? Yeah, so I guess I have an agent, so I'm yeah. with um, Rising Talent Agency. Okay. Um, and I guess if anyone wants to get an agent themselves, well, all you have to do really is have a show reel and have some headshots and then you're gonna have to like pitch yourself mm. as to why you know you're really really great and people should take you on obviously the more acting you do the better um but yeah i signed up to an agency and, and they really get you the the auditions and things like that so i came straight out of college and yeah i did a very quick audition to be fair and then got this role um so i can't again i can't say what it is but it's on yeah. bbc cool. uh, it's filming in belfast and it'll be airing in october what so. did you complete in your studies in college? I studied social work. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Lovely. That would tie in a bit with the role on Fair City as well, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like social work has been a great foundation for me. It mm. really helps you, I guess, understand people around you, which helps you in acting as well. Because if you can study people, you can, of course, study characters better, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, it was a really good course. And even finding out about myself and things, it makes you it makes you look into the depths of things as well, which is good for acting because you need to yeah, of get course. into the depths of characters. Do you so. like cornflakes? <laughs> I actually I don't really like cornflakes and I remember doing that the ad I had to do and they would come around with a bag after the scene and they would ask if I wanted to spit it out but I hated the cornflakes but I, I didn't want to spit out either because I was only eight and like I didn't want to watch all of these people on me to just spit out all my cornflakes <laughs> oh, but like you did so many takes of it that you did really eat a lot of cornflakes so yeah. no I would not be eating cornflakes so again that puts you off them I yeah. have to say I love cornflakes with cold milk <laughs> and a sliced banana through them that's just my own preference yeah. and you know what I saw? I actually saw Jamie Oliver. Uh, I was watching some of his shows the weekend. Damn all else to watch. <laughs> yeah. And he crushed them up into, you know, like little crumbs yeah. and used them as a coating uh, okay. on fish cakes. And I thought yeah. it was a nice, maybe that's something that might reintroduce yeah. you to them uh, down the road. It, yeah. um, I was looking at your bio and that's where I saw the air ad and, and the cornflakes thing as well. It says you love animals, especially cats. Is oh, that true? Yes, yes. I have a little um, Scottish Fold cat, actually, at the moment. He's two years old. I got him during COVID, and he is my little baby. He's the little, like, folded over ears. Have you ever seen them? Yes. I think Molly May has that type yes, of cat yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. 
Um, and yeah, I'm actually, I'm trying to get him on walks as well. I started to like bring him on a harness and then I'll go somewhere quiet where there's no dogs and I'll try to bring him on little <laughs> walks as well. But yeah, no, I am obsessed with cats. You love animals. What about sport? Are you sporty? It lists a range of sports that you've been involved. God, I said I could be talking to an Olympian today, never mind an actress. No, I mean, I feel like you exaggerate a little bit of the sports side and CV and acting. But um, yeah, no, I played Gaelic for a good couple of years in Column Kills, actually. Um, and yeah, it was it was really good fun, but I, I'm not really doing so much sport at the moment. Yeah, the Kills are a great club and they've been fantastic for all the children they've brought through over the years. They're renowned for that. So you you were one of those upcoming kids as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about uh, cards? You mentioned cards. Do you play cards? Yeah, I mean, I play I play a bit of cards. I think that was something that me and my boyfriend used to do a lot during, again, lockdown when you had nothing else to do. But my card games would be fairly basic, uh, like, you know, blackjack or a snap, just the kind of the basic ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was just a lockdown. You have sport. to give poker a go. Are you listening, Claire? That's your next one. I know. I actually, I have given poker a go, have but you? I still don't really understand <laughs> the logistics of it. And I, every time someone has to explain it to me. So, but I feel like people have different poker rules. Like when you play with a different group, with slightly different rules, or is that just me? Are people just like uh, they should be the same? But I understand what you're getting at and what you're saying. But I'm just thinking, you, the actress, you know, the poker face. You know what I mean? That you can just, yeah. you know, your face gives away or doesn't give away an awful yeah. lot in the game of poker. So do consider it in the future and yeah. play by the rules. Tell them you want to play by the real uh, rules. Um, the uh, what was it to say to you um, the uh, musicals and musicals mm. in your life you mentioned the little duke and musicals of course are a big part of the acting yeah. world as well what about that area is that something that interests you yeah definitely I mean as I said I used to sing a lot in the ki- as a kid and um, I performed in the TLT as well before I remember that little uh, the show that they had with all the young performers the stars the stars yeah yes. I, I did one of those before and I actually got like, nearly into the finals but I got so nervous that I I blacked out and I just was like I'm not doing this anymore so yeah I guess that was my stage fright era but um, I definitely want to go back into the musicals I think I just you know being the age I'm at now, I'm definitely a lot more confident and could definitely get back into that area of things, you know. Mm. Um, I think the last time I did a musical, though, I was in first year and it was Oliver. Um, and that was really fun. That was at my school, Klaushna Hinsha. So that was great crack. But yeah, it's definitely something I want to get back into now. Good. Well, it's another potential string to your to your bow as well. Yeah. Um, Socialising your love. Oh, that's natural in all of us. We all love to yes, socialise. What about politics? Did I see somewhere that you said you have an interest in the political <laughs> I mean, field? I do, yes. It's like, because obviously I studied social work. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of what we study is politics. So, yes. you know, yeah. anyone want to watch the latest Barbie movie as well? There's a lot There's a lot to talk about there if you want to unpack that. Ha- have you seen it? Have you, have you I been? I have seen it. It's amazing. Is it's it now? amazing, yeah. Because Deserves all the overhype. Well, I was saying to Louise, we were chatting this morning about this and we were talking about it on the show last mm. Friday. I've looked at the reviews the weekend. Now, they're mixed reviews, I have to say. Mm. It's not getting five or four stars. It's getting two or three stars, you yeah, know. Yeah, interesting. But yeah. you loved it, did you? I loved it, yeah. But I mean, I'm probably the category that it's aimed for. You know, it's definitely aimed for 
like 20 teenage like even older women really yes. i think that's definitely the category they're aiming for so you know i would be careful as to i guess what the critiques are coming from is it just that it wasn't their cup of tea of a movie you know what i mean because as itself i think you know greta gerwig did an amazing job on that movie she directed it beautifully as she always does with lady mm, bird and everything else. i'd so. say you're probably right there you know mm. even though the the critics generally you know they review across the board as well but it could be an age thing it could be a gender thing as well Oppenheimer got five 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 stars all the way mm, so maybe yeah. that does reflect you know a certain bias that that, that there yeah. is there but anyway you heard it today Claire Gavin says it's great it's so you got to go and go, see go get it. your boyfriend your brothers <laughs> get, get some mail in there to watch it because <laughs> I think it's important it's okay message. oh that's important to yeah, bring it bring it it's yeah a male uh, company with yeah. you to, to see this movie are you a cinema do you love going to the cinema would a cinema be your thing I do love going to the cinema now to be fair I feel like there hasn't been that much movies coming out guys because of COVID and everything there was a bit of a backlog um, like I saw No Hard Feelings there and I'm definitely going to watch Oppenheimer soon um, yeah. and No Hard Feelings was really good too it was a good comedy but mm. you know Nothing special, but yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, there hasn't been much going on in the cinemas, but I definitely yeah. like love to go to These two now have just... Ca- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Should the imagination to different degrees. Know, oh, listen, Barbie has way outperformed Oppenheimer in the States on its first week run. We see that yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the marketing was amazing for oh, it. So. Well, you see. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, people made a day out of it. With yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, people yeah. would dress up in pink and they'd go get their mocktails with the girls and then they'd go as a group. So it's like a day outing if you're yeah. watching Barbie. Oh, it is. It's, it's well sold, I have to say yeah. that. Look, besides what you're doing with the BBC, 2022 Tenants, Mm -hmm. what was that? Oh, Tenants was a web series that I did. Now, it hasn't actually been released. I've been asking the director um, if he could release it or anything, but I'm I'm not sure where that one actually went, so I should probably take that on. It's on on the horizon. Yeah. Did I see Bunratty Castle mentioned and you in the same sentence? Is that right? Yes, I actually... (laughs) That was a bit of a crazy time because I was in Bunratty Castle in Limerick 
Um, and I had just started my job there. And obviously, Bunrashi Castle, I don't know if you've ever been yourself. Have you ever I been? I have. Okay, yeah. So they do the medieval banquets. And so you dress up as kind of like a medieval princess. And you go up and you perform. And yeah, you sing songs. You do Irish dancing. They do a um, bit of Irish music as well. And yeah, and then you, you do like a medieval style performance, I guess. And you give everyone their their starter, their main and their dessert. Um, so I was doing that for a while, but I did have to finish that one shorter than I expected. I was expect- expecting to do that for really the whole summer after college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then I got this series um, in Belfast. So that was amazing. And then I just mm. had to, I guess, leave. One Bunratty, door closes. Yeah, one That's door the Bunratty Castle door. Big know, bang as you left. And Port the Bunratty. other door then opens in Belfast yeah. and yeah. You're, you're away with something else. I can see you're made for this. May I, I say, know. you're real outgoing <laughs> and you're so bubbly and positive about everything. I'm sure the future is bright. There's lots of opportunities yeah. that lie ahead for you. Anyway, your fan club here wanted me to invite you in today. I'm sure they're happy that you're here with us <laughs> on LMF and Radio and to have a chat with you. Yeah. I want to wish you all the very best for the future and thank you for coming in to me today. Thanks and watch so this Jerry. space. Claire Gavin for the future. BBC is the next one. Yeah. And beyond that, who knows? Thank you so much and Thank I you wish so you much, well. Jerry. Thanks, Larry. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye. James Bay, let it go on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. Limerick, what about Limerick folk listening today? Congratulations to you, four in a row. Or as David Sheehan said to me last week, David's father's from Limerick, it should be six in a row. We were done, he says. Anyway, four in a row for Limerick, one of the greatest hurling teams of the modern era. And what about Brian Harmon winning the Open Golf Championship at Royal Liverpool? Thank God for it yesterday with the day that was in it. I stayed in and watched the whole lot. Ah, he won it comfortably. He was five shots ahead going in and won by six in the end. Tidy little player he is. Nobody really expected him to win. Really didn't. But there you are. He is the Open champion. A major champion now. And afterwards, I was just reading, he went to the Wirral to uh, an American diner. He's from the States. He went to an American diner in the Wirral, had to queue up and wait for a table. When they heard who he was and he had the claret jug with him, there was a scattered match in the restaurant and they got a table from, there was a couple of the other pros with him. Uh, Seb Stracker was with him and uh, another lad as well. And he filled the claret jug with beer and they drank beer out of the claret jug and just had a great time. So that's what you have to do. American Diner, loads of meat when you win the Open Championship. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Looking forward to meeting my next guest again. You know Lynch Salads, based in RD. Brian Lynch came in to me last September, it was the 1st of September, and told me he was trying to put in solar panels to save on the enormous cost the electricity was for him. He was having trouble. They're in. We know the upshot of what it saved him, and he's joining me in a, in a few moments, along with Bernard Lennon, to tell us the story. First of September last year, I checked it out. Brian Lynch was with me, and he was giving out yards that he couldn't get the go-ahead for the solar panels on the business. You know his business, salads and RD and that. Anyway, he's back today to give us an update on the story, and he's joined by the man who put the solar panels in from Bernard Lennon. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good to see you Thanks, both. Let's Up start, man. Brian, with yourself and uh, take us back first September you were saying you were struggling to get the go ahead and we were talking about the the red tape and everything around planning for the panels I take it you, you got the go ahead yeah yeah we did yeah we got the, we got the planning permission from the county council so when we got that then it was all systems go 
we joined up then with the Lennon group then to put in the solar panels and um, they finished them off there at the last of, uh, end of January and since then uh, they've been a very good success. What do you mean by a very good success? Um, you can actually see through the app every day how they're actually working, what kind of uh, kilowatts you're getting per day on it and more so especially when the uh, sun is shining, they're really, really ramping up. And obviously when the, when they're ramping up, all their refrigeration and everything is ramping up. So we're getting the benefits from it then, do you know. So, uh, yeah, it's great, to, it's great to be, you know, uh, getting the benefits from the solar. I take it the six weeks from May to June when we hadn't a drop of water, will you stop? And what's after happening the last few weeks and the sun was shining almost constantly. So that had to be fantastic for you. Yeah, like we, we were monitoring the whole every day on the, on the solar panels. And there were some days there where we were gen- generating up to about 190 kilowatts of power just from the solar panels. And what does that mean? Is that the more than you would need? No, no, I still use an awful lot more, more than, than that. that. Okay, but, but it's given me 190 kilowatts yes. effectively free. Yes. Uh, you know, from... from <laughs> from from what would you call it from day, daylight you know and and the other thing when it gets a bit cloudy like you look up today it's a mixed type of day you had lovely sunshine for part of the day a bit cloud coming in sun comes in and out you, you can still see it picking up you can and, even, I, and I took it over the last six months there I took a kind of an average but generally speaking if you talk to the average days they are, you're generating about 55 kilowatts a day now you probably think that's not much but if you multiply it by the, the cost per unit and then add a hub you could be saving nearly the best part of uh, probably about 400 quid a week. Saving? Saving. So yeah. then annualise that and you're well, talking. Uh, on the annual thing, I, I reckon I'll project that I'm going to save two months power over the year. That's huge for you. I well, it is it. when you're paying bills of over €5,000 for every two months. Yeah. And, you know, it's it took an investment. Bernard, you know, did the, his business here and there's an investment, initial investment to put that in. Yeah. Um. How long will it take you for that to pay back, do you reckon? Well, we were lucky enough that we actually got a grant from Loud Leader. Um, yes. They came on board and they said, look, there is a grant available for that. So with the investment, the turnaround said there's a 75% of a grant available to you for that. So our investment was over 22000 for the for the solar panels. And then 75% of that came back to us. So with the grant and with the with the free power, let's call it, you're probably looking at between a year to two years of a payback. That's really quick, isn't it? It oh, yeah. really is. And we have to say the grant is a great help and that, that yeah. is a big part of it as well. Um, any maintenance after it goes in? I'll talk to the man himself in a minute. You no, don't expect no, no, not I, much I, I've had nothing. They're just they're on. They're working perfect. You can see from the the panel where the where the uh, all comes through. You can see it there on a daily. You can see your total amounts. You can see everything. You can see it from the app and the phone. It, I think it's it's very very good. So the. Price of salads will be falling now in the shops. Uh, well, I don't know about that because the price of food's gone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't seem to see it yet now. I have to say now, but I couldn't resist that. Yeah, one, yeah. Do you know what I mean? When the goal is open, you have to try Absolutely. and put the ball in. I understand what you're saying. I really do. Bernard Lennon uh, from Lennon Solar. Thank you for joining us on the show. I suppose when I listen to the way this works, is this seamless in that he's still connected to the national grid? He gets his power there, and you come in and work in. Parallel. Is that a seamless operation? Yeah. Uh, the way the panels work, it's a grid-tied system with the, the inverter. The panels feed into the inverter, and then the inverter is connected just like an ordinary appliance to your fuse board. Uh, so effectively, you have a dual power supply. Once the panels stop generating, 
you just DSB just continues to flow. Simple in. as that. Simple as that. Seamless is the Seamless. word we yeah. What about uh, this uh, operation of lynches and that? Was that a big job for you? Like what? What? Well, what, every, what he was looking every, for? Every job is a big yeah. job. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of planning and mm. uh, like you've to make sure that you've all your safety equipment, uh, especially going up that high. Uh, you have to wait, make sure you have the right brackets, uh, mounting equipment. You know, like there, there is an awful lot involved in it. Um, but yeah, we were there for I think two days in Brian's, so it was relatively straightforward job in the sense that there was no batteries or anything like that. But yeah, uh, yeah, went went very well and it looks well too. So. What do you mean by no batteries? Explain that. Batteries, uh, you've your string and your hybrid systems. They're the two types of systems. Okay. Uh, so your string system more or less just generates power, and you have to use it at that time, or else you've uh, like a hot water diverter, we'd call it, for the residential usage where it can heat your water from the excess yeah, power. Yeah, okay. Uh, but in commercial, the likes of factories and that, the, the power, there's that much of a demand, it's it's just constantly getting used, so there's no point in trying to store okay. it. Okay. Whereas in a residential application, uh, we, we refer to the battery as a buffer. Okay. So if you have a big spike of power, the sun comes out, you're not at home charges the battery I see I no. see but Brian doesn't need that because he's consuming it as yeah, it goes along yeah. Yeah. yeah so th- there's no need for it there that's interesting I've learned yeah. something <laughs> I've <laughs> learned something today I learn something every day when, yeah. I, when I sit in this seat from you went into this business first when you see the technology today and what you're putting in and what you put into Lynch's has it moved substantially yeah constantly constantly moving especially the the panel types as well like you have a p-type panel and an n-type panel uh, but not to bore you uh, with the small no, talk explain on it. it yeah no yeah, explain uh, it well basically one reacts better to daylight than the other and it's an n-type pa- panel uh, so brian's panels have a 25 year product warranty 30 year production warranty so the 30 year production warranty means that after 30 years the panels will still be producing 85 percent of the power that they were rated for on the very first day they went in. So really there is good. quite mm. a lifetime in the mm. panels. Uh, the glass on them is also dimpled. Uh, they're like the surface of a golf ball. Maybe just not as uh, the indentations as deep on them. But yes. basically, w- this country, we get enough enough rain. 200 days of the year, we get rain. And that's enough to keep dust and any buildup on the panels. Keeps Off them clean, them. effectively. Yeah, yeah. By tapers, we get the rain. Go on. You, you know, you've yeah. no moving parts with the systems either. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's practically no maintenance. In a domestic setting, just to come back to that for a moment, what difference would it make, you know what I mean, to basically, we hear what Brian has said and the difference he can practically see and he has it estimated for the year what it's going to do for him. Yeah. For In a domestic setting, what can it do for you? In average household, we're seeing anything from 1,000 to 1,500 and some applications up to 2,000 euros a year in savings, which is, it's a lot for energy bills, one, yeah. off one bill. Oh my word. Yeah, know, and and is there the grant uh, applicable to a home installation? Absolutely, as well. Uh, yeah, does, does SEI grants available up to two thousand four hundred? So, uh, do it, it goes off uh, the kilowatts that you install mm. max up to the grant that they pay you is for two thousand four hundred up to four kilowatts, and mm. um, but you can install up to six kilowatts. How long did Brian's project take from start to finish for you? Two days in total for the installation, but there was a bit of planning involved uh, due to obviously the height, uh, yeah. cable routes, etc. And then uh, we also done, we, we have a software where we input the information, the air code, uh, the orientation of the roof, the tilt, and then that gives us a projection of the year of how many kilowatts he's going to mm. generate. So. What direction does Brian's panels face? Almost perfectly south. <laughs> and is that the ideal? That's, that, that's the ideal because you get the sun going from east to west so the panels are picking up all day. Well, th- there's a couple of arguments to that. Uh, I don't think there is a perfect scenario because 
anywhere between east and west, you're going to generate power. Okay. Uh, south, yeah, is probably the best in, we'll say, an average year, whereas in the summer months, you would be producing an awful lot more power with east and west systems due to the longer days, naturally. Okay. Uh, whereas you get a bigger peak of the power with south uh, around midday. So he was born winter. lucky, like, to have oh, the There's no yeah. doubt about that. Float he fell in his feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a born lucky than born rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at him. <laughs> Tell me this from my house faced east. So yeah. east, we get the sun on the front in the morning, and the back is beautiful in, in the afternoon. If you were doing a house like that, do yeah. you cover both sides, or would you just put oh, it no, on we, one side? No, we cover both sides. And yeah. would that be the ideal thing to do to put something on each face of the roof to get the east and the, the west? Absolutely, yeah, because you're ge- you're generating power in the morning, and then right through to the evening. Then you know you get the mm. evening sun. Uh, you'd often hear people talking about their sun-drenched back gardens yes. in the evening sun. And as you can see, if the sun is there, you're, you're generating power. Yeah. What about a dull day? There's still something there, is there, even on dull days? The dull day, yeah, look, call it as it is. They're not as good as they would be in sunshine. Mm. But the technology that's there, they are still generating in lower levels of daylight. Whereas, uh, say, an array of panels might be producing three kilowatts on a lower level like today or the last couple of days we've had it might be down to one kilowatt or 800 watts people are saying oh sure it's not really worth it that's still one kilowatt or 800 watts of power that you yeah. don't have to buy yes you know like yes that, of course you, and immediately we always say once you put the panels up your standby power is gone all mm. the small little red lights that you're not bothered going around switching off and in brian's case again uh when he gains or extracts the power from the panels they go down and into his into his workplace there it goes anywhere. It powers everything, does it? Within oh, absolutely everything, yeah. and the same in a house. It just goes to whatever application whatever is pulling from the power at the time. Whatever's looking for it. Yeah, that's it. And it goes. So as I said, it's wired in like a normal appliance, uh, with the exception it generates power. So it's just feeding in. Uh, for the want of a better word, it doesn't understand what it's doing. It's just yes. going to where it's looking for it. So yeah, uh, yeah. It's, no, it's relatively simple and straightforward. And um, people have the perception that. Oh, you know, there's going to be an awful lot of upset in the house, whereas we pride ourselves in the residential with one-day installation, uh, no mess, no fuss. Uh, we're, we're in, we do a really, really good job, clean up, hoovers, you know, the, yeah. really makes the job worthwhile, leaving it clean and cleaner than basically yes. you've got there. You know? You've just opened an app there when we're on the break. This is fantastic. Uh, and it's telling you, just tell the listeners what it's telling you there, Brian. Well, basically, it's just telling me now today on the production today that we've actually generated 63.98 kilowatts. And you can see from the graph there, Jerry, you see there on the spikes where the, the sun kept yes. cutting in and out. And, um, you know, when it's, when it's actually most effective. But overall there today, as I said, just on today's performance there, we've, we've generated 60, 64 uh, kilowatts of power today. And you have this at home as well? We have, yeah. Yeah, we put it in. But just to, to go back to this here, it's also actually telling you here, you know, I mean, from your carbon footprint, you know, coal saved, 6.2 tonne of coal saved, um, CO2, 9.01 tonne. Do you know, it gives you an awful lot of information that 843 is planted. You know, this is the type of information that's given you back from the app. Um, and it, it's very, very... Uh, 
it's very, very good to know where you're actually going on this stuff. Mm. And I just saw on your home, you have the battery at home. And, you know, when you're not there, it's charging the battery, as Bernard said earlier on. And you're feeding some back into the national grid. I'll be jabbers, you have it covered from every angle, Lynch. Yeah, well, uh, you, have to be, you have to be up early in the morning, I'd say, now for years. Yeah, as I, as I look at the app now, you know, currently we're generating 3.4 kilowatts here now at home with the production of the house. You know, we're actually feeding the, the, the backup battery. It's 90 full we're actually using only 780 watts and then there's 2.55 kilowatts actually come back to the grid do you know so and Bernard do you get credit for that that's that's just uh, an automatic you don't have to do anything special to have that feedback in no uh, what we do is obviously when you put in your order with us uh, we contact the ESB on your behalf we apply for an NC6 form and that basically notifies the ESB and the networks mm. that you're going to install a micro-generation system. So that automatically regi- registers you for your feed-in tariff. Yeah. And then obviously depends on the provider. There's some providers are paying anywhere between 18 cent and 21 cent per kilowatt. And there's one particular provider for the next two years is guaranteed that they pay 34 cent. And you think that's... It adds up. It does. I know we're, all, we're talking small money, but... Across the lifespan of the system, yes, all this becomes very, very relevant. Uh, it's, mm. it's a long game, and and you know, I always had in my head this is a big job. That's something I've also learned today. And yeah. in a domestic situation, how long in and out installed? So your average three, four bed bedroom home, you're probably gone around lunchtime. The lads would arrive about eight o'clock. That's it. That's it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of preparation goes on in the okay. background in yeah. terms of orders and getting everything ready. I understand. But, uh, yeah, the guys are really switched on. We've very good crews wor- working with us, good local lads as well, and yeah. uh, they just they, they, they don't let us down. In fairness, mm. which is fantastic. You've been very happy with this man. Yeah, and like uh, you know, when he did the house with us, he he, he did do it one day. Now, obviously, we had twenty panels up on our house, and we 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 put some on the uh, east side, and then we put some on the south side. You know, when you were on about earlier on splitting them up. But yeah, one day, that's all it took her to come in and out. You know, obviously. Um, again the pre-planning and all that was involved but no one day very simple very effective and as I said I was showing you where we're getting the benefits here now that we're feeding the battery we're feeding the grid we're using our consumption and it's all come from solo so probably at the minute now we're actually probably self-sufficient in the house at the minute there's no cost no no power coming from the grid terrific yeah. and you told us already about the business so there you are you're over the hump of the planning you're you know September you're well, there a bit, now a bit greyer since, <laughs> since, since then <laughs> we've been greyer but anyway so you're about to tell me what you're yeah, using yeah, in the yeah, hair yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, that yeah, bad no, to be no, honest no. with you I need whatever you're using anyway <laughs> anyway talk about the, the, the salad business that I noticed you've changed your packaging yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um, we started uh, we looked at the whole situation again being true the, the sustainable through the solar and, and uh, all the other bits and pieces we've done through the factory with, with all the LED lighting and uh, upgrading all the refrigeration and stuff like that but we also looked at the packaging do you know what I mean and going forward like everybody is trying to you know be more sustainable going forward and we looked at the packaging coming in so how could we be 100% uh, sustainable and 100% recyclable and all that so it's been started last October as well too probably in the middle of all this <laughs> solar stuff but uh, that being said, uh, we're only after launching them down the last month or so, and um, there's been a great reaction to them down there so far. Some people actually, we've changed from, we also have two logos, as you can see, I have a green logo and, and a red one. We brought everything back to the red logo, um, just so that we wouldn't maybe confuse people. But now I think we might have been confusing them now because we've changed. 
But that being said, the new packaging's out. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, we're very, very happy. It's very, very colourful. Um, the whole, the perception of the tub is going to be to say, oh, well, one looks bigger and one looks smaller. But it's actually the exact same amount of product in each tub. No way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, because we couldn't well, change You fooled it. me. <laughs> no, 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 we couldn't. We could not actually change that. Because um, I thought it was doing better with the bigger tub. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, it's actually, it, 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 it does look a lot bigger. Um, but that being said, you he's know, smack, he's yeah, smack, yeah he you can actually do all your, um, okay, obviously it has its own uses, but it's fully 100% recyclable. Mm. Um, because the label, the adhesive, that was no, there's no adhesive in that label. The label is actually produced in the tub when the tub is being produced. I see. And then... Um, there's also a big benefit that actually people are actually using them for a bit of leftover stuff, throw it back in I the fridge. I agree with you. Do you know what I mean? Even yes. throw it in the freezer. Yeah. Now, I've heard a lot of different things, and I'll just throw it out there. I've actually been heard it's been used for samples even to go to the <laughs> clinics. So, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is what I hear now. So, look, at uh, um, yeah, the Arrow Hunters are recyclable, and like, we, we're, we're happy to... We'll be looking at it in the lab saying, I know, yeah. Brian Lynch yeah, is suffering yeah, from everything yeah, under yeah. the sun. <laughs> There's no me that puts it into it. But, um, yeah, basically, you know, there's an awful lot of benefits to that from a stackability point of view in the fridge and yes. the household. But one thing is that uh, the product is exactly the same as what it always was. The only thing has changed the packaging. Now, we're, we've joined up with a new company now to start doing a bit of promotion on that. So we're trying to push it on now, get the weather back. J June, June was fantastic. July, as everybody knows, there's been no barbecues, so it has been quiet in, in July. But, you know, that'll change. We'll come back in Edward, August. Um, it's a 12-month calendar. But, yeah, very, very happy with it now so far. And I'm really, you know, thankful to everybody for giving us the support on all our customers and everything. You know, it's great. Well, yeah. we're going to start a competition on late lunch. What use can you find for the new... Lynch salad tubs, and I'm sure we'll get loads of other suggestions, but there's been some unique ones coming from the man himself today. Anyway, it's all good news. Well done to both of you. Thank you for joining me today. Bernard Lennon, thank you for coming thank in you. to us on Late Lunch, and Brian Lynch as well for the catch-up and the understanding of what this has meant to you in terms of installing the solar. Yeah, Best sorry, wishes to you going much. forward, and thanks, boys. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Thanks a million. Five, four, three, two... One. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number five from this week in 1996 and it's by British electronic music group Underworld. It was first released as a B-side to Born Slippy in May 1995 but it was afterwards used in the 1996 film Train Spotting. A big hit that movie was. Born Slippy was issued as a single uh, on the 1st of July 1996 and went up to number two on the UK charts. It's our number five today and it's been named as one of the best tracks of the 90s by numerous uh, publications. Uh, vocalist Carl Hyde wrote the lyrics. He was struggling with alcoholism at the time and and he didn't intend the song to be a drinking anthem, which it became, but rather a cry for help. Yes, Music Weave gave the track 5 out of 5 in 1996, describing it as an anthem for the generation. Our number 5 from this week in 96 is Born Slippy and Underworld. Number five from this week in 1996, Born Slippy 
and Underworld on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. An anthem for the ages, that's what they said. I like it. I liked it back then. I still like it today, I have to say. Five, four, three, two, one. Coming your way this week from this week in 1996. At this time, each afternoon on your late lunch. Thank you for all the messages. Hi, Jerry. Lennon Solar put our panels in, and we've just received 80 euro back from the grid. Great work, great guys. I would highly recommend them too. Great interview, Jerry, about the solar panels. I know a lot more now. I also love Brian's salad. I buy them if I'm not making my own. And P.S. I use the containers for leftover soup and sauces for tidying up all those items in the kitchens, and the tops of bottles can be stored and easy found again there you go many uses for Brian's new containers for sure going along to the Solstice event at Old Ridge House this Thursday uh, is today on late lunch uh, Imelda Farrell well done to you you're going along there to the Solstice thank you indeed for getting in touch with us on the show final break of the day if you have family in Greece on the islands that are being evacuated at the moment well you'll be interested to hear I'm sure what Martin Skelly from Navin Travel has to say next Martin Skelly from Navin Travel and Irish Travel Agents Association board member joins me to talk about the situation in Rhodes and Corfu. Hi, Martin. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. God almighty, the pictures and the stories we're seeing coming from the islands. People are just fleeing uh, where they're staying. Another crisis. You've been hit by so much in the travel industry in recent years. Here's another one. What's your take on it, Martin? Well, I suppose as an industry, we're no strangers to crisis, and that's what we do. We respond to them on a fairly regular basis. Um, Fortunately, few of them have this kind of gravity and are as threatening. Luckily enough, though, um, lots of people are affected. There are nobody that we are aware of in any danger, in any immediate danger. Uh, Just kind of to set it out, really... The island of Rhodes, which kind of broke in the news yesterday. Uh, Rhodes is about, at its longest point, it's a small island. At its longest point, it's about 80 kilometres long and widest, it's about 40 kilometres wide. So it, it's a smallish area. Mm. That said, the main tour, the capital city, uh, Rhodes City, and the tourist uh, resort of Ayus Nicholas, etc., they're up in the north of the island. And the fires, for the most part, are concentrated central and south of the island. Okay. So thankfully, the majority of Irish tourists, whilst it's impacting them in that it's affecting everybody in Rhodes, it's not having an immediate day-to-day effect on most people. Okay. And in lots of cases, despite the heat, and the heat has been quite intense, the holidays are continuing. Now, naturally enough, um, there are people who have been affected. And uh, I know that both our association and the members and myself, indeed, especially I've been on to people who are in roads at the moment who have been directly impacted by it and, you know, happy to report they're safe and they're well. Uh, so, um, so far, the news is, while it's distressing for everybody and upsetting, it's positive in that nobody is in any danger. It has impacted flights in a way. For example, TUI, one of the main tour operators to the island, they've cancelled... Uh, they, uh, they had cancelled all flights from all their airports until tomorrow, and now within the last literally two hours, we have had word that they've cancelled a flight to Rhodes on Wednesday of this week. 
Uh, both Ryanair, um, who operate services to roads, uh, well, they're Lingestone, but Ryanair op- operate twice a week service to roads, and their flights are operating as normal, and they're flying on Saturday and the Tuesday. So they're planning to fly tomorrow. So some things are operating as normally, but it does have an impact on people that are there. Some from a point of view of concern, and, um, you know, a very small minority of people are directly impacted by the fires. What would you say to people who have holidays booked? Now, we heard what you said about TUI for sure. They're only sending craft out to get people home. And I believe you have to wait till your holiday, whatever date you're due to come back to come home. I was just watching a little bit on the BBC early this morning. Um, w- w- would you would you go ahead? What would your advice be? Well, you see, we're, uh, we take the advice of the Department of Foreign Affairs and they're doing that in liaison with all the local services and the emergency services. And so... Uh, lots of people are naturally enough concerned about travelling into the future but it's a very volatile and it's a changing and it's a moving situation and Corfu is a particular case in point like this morning there were concerns about Corfu the latest word we have is that the fires in Corfu are pretty much under control so we have to keep an eye on the situation you know and because it's so volatile and it's changing all the time you have to keep watching what the situation is so most people in Corfu haven't and certainly most Irish holiday makers in Corfu haven't been impacted to any large extent so it's precautionary at the moment what would we advise people to do well in the first instance the advice is to listen to the Department of Foreign Affairs because ultimately they have the final say on whether it's safe or not for Irish citizens to travel airports are still open uh the scheduled airlines are still flying. So people have the option to go on holidays and continue. Naturally enough, some people at this point in time, they're weighing up their options and they're looking to see, well, is there somewhere else I can go to? Can I postpone my trip? Can I maybe travel later on? So at the moment, it's a little bit of wait and see and it's a balancing act to see, does it suit them to travel now? Does it suit them to postpone? Have the personal, do the certain personal circumstances give them an option to change something? And it's watch and see what the situation is. The Department of Foreign Affairs have been really good. Like they, they were out, you know, they were quickly out of the box yesterday. Once the news broke, and we heard it on the news that there were fires in roads. Well, in our own office, we were immediately checking to see the people we had travelling, and we made contact with them. Happy to report they're all safe and well. The Department of Foreign Affairs are advising people. Uh, to keep in touch, well, one, keep your phone on and keep your phone on roaming so you can keep in touch with both the emergency services out there and they've given emergency phone numbers. They've given the number of the uh, consular assistance for the Irish Embassy in Greece and for the Honorary Irish Consular in Consulate on the island of Rhodes and for the Department of Foreign Affairs in Dublin. So people can check with the DFA, Department of Foreign Affairs, on the website for the most up-to-date information on what to do. It's another situation that I suppose, uh, you know, holidaymakers don't actually need. And it will, I'm sure, frighten people a little when they see the news. But I do know what you say. It is certain parts that are more uh, affected uh, than others. Uh, This heat wave, just before we finish in a moment, um, Martin, the heat wave across southern Europe and that as well. Uh, People with lots of holidays moved to Spain, Italy, Greece, you name it, right across that area there. Is it uh, having an impact or are people just, you know, glad to get away from the blimmin' rain we've had here incessant for the last few weeks? Well, you know, isn't it just a balance, Jerry? So many people have said, oh, really, I can't wait to go. You see, in a way, Jerry, too, Irish holiday makers, 
they're so well travelled and over the last number of years COVID accepted but over the last number of years there's been a huge exodus from the country on a regular basis because mm. we have such good Ireland is such a well connected island nation that people travel extensively yes. and they're smart savvy educated travellers and they've tons of common sense gained from experience so the following the advice is which is stay indoors during the midday sun use a hat use your sun protection factors and common sense and you also find that in lots of cases while and there is intense heat reported very often around the coastal areas where lots of tourists go you have kind of the slightly cooling effect of a sea breeze mm. people we've spoken to you know who are back just recently and um, we've asked them what's the temperatures how did you feel and it was pretty much in line with um, what I've just said yeah. and stay indoors during the day Again, out of the main commercial city areas, you know, where the heat reverberates off now as city streets and that. So out on the coast, it's uh, it's quite uh, a lot business as normal. Yeah. So it is. And I think on balance, so many people just want to get away from the weather here. I mean, you've only looked at last Saturday. Yes, indeed yeah, they do, Martin, for sure. Absolutely. Common sense, plenty of liquid on board as well, and avoid the midday sun. Have to leave it there today, Martin. You're so good. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Martin Skelly there from Navin Travel and ITAA board member finishing off late lunch this Monday afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. We'll be back with Tuesday's late lunch from 1.30. Have a nice evening. We'll see you then. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan.